Alright, hello, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of our Labs Open Office Hour. I'm Houston, our host, and I have with me Matt Bach. Uh, he's on my right. Uh, he's our senior labs tech, um, the uh, resident Adobe expert. I suppose mm -hmm. it's probably the best way to, to put that, yeah? Yeah, 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 I've done a lot of stuff with <laughs> Adobe apps. <laughs> That's cool. So um, to, today we're we're only having just you on, uh, so that we can kind of uh, a little bit more hyper focus on a particular topic, and that that's going to be post production, um, like hardware related topics for the day. Uh, I know lately quite a bit actually has been kind of happening um, with Adobe. Um, they just recently did like GPU acceleration for H two sixty four two sixty five stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, there's been CPU releases and, and that sort of a deal. Um, yeah. So th I do feel like we have quite a bit to talk about, If even if um, some questions aren't, aren't coming through. There have been quite a bit of changes and probably more coming in the future. Yeah, yeah. And th that's the, that the future stuff is always the harder things for us because we know some stuff that's not public. <laughs> Although... <laughs> I will say that Adobe's been doing a really cool job recently. They released uh, um, their public beta program. So okay. for all the video apps like uh, After Effects, Premiere Pro, Media Encoder, just in the Creative Cloud app, you can go in and download the betas. So oh, cool. most of those apps, I don't know if there's much that we know that the public doesn't know because like it's in it's in the public betas, which is awesome because that means we like don't have to censor ourselves as much and be like, oh, this isn't public knowledge or this is. It's just That's good. Yeah, that helps. It's that helps a lot. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. I wonder. Um, yeah, I wonder. I wonder what uh, motivated that. It is cool though, because like, like you put out that. Um, oh, there was the fourteen point two beta with the mm -hmm. hardware acceleration stuff, and um, I suppose that was a public beta. Anybody could have went and got that and, and done the same stuff that we were doing. So that's, that's yeah. nice to know. Yeah, it's it's really. I th I think it's a couple of things. Oh man, we're already getting into things really deeply. Already. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, make, make make sure. Yeah, if anyone has any direct questions, like ask ask away questions. But otherwise, I'm just going to keep talking. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons why they're making their betas public. One, using a beta program where people are opting into it is always better for like working out bugs rather than pushing something live. Cough. Windows um, and having the public be be a, a beta, so by actually yeah. having it be an opt-in thing, it's people who know what they're getting into and they can find those bugs. Oh, that's um, cool. And two, it can get people excited about things like this. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, the H six H two sixty four and HUVC hardware encoding. Even before it's live to the public, it's, it's still in beta. And like we could publish articles on it, which is yeah. awesome. Like that was yeah. one of our like most popular articles in a while. And it was just, hey, it's beta. We're going to test a couple of things to see how it runs. And then once it's in full release, we'll do it again and, you know, do it more in depth. But then we can start to see that, like, hey, man, we're seeing up to, like, a three times increase in, like, export performance. That's amazing. It, it was shocking. Exciting. It was really yeah. shocking to see the results. Like, I mean, thinking about it, like, you, you know that, like, you know, Resolve has always had a really good... Um, leverage for gpu accelerated stuff mm -hmm. and so on the one hand it was somewhat expected but to see such a huge improvement was to me at least yeah um, it was that was mind-blowing that's so yeah like, what two to five times in some cases like amazing yeah i think the most we saw was five times and sometimes it's nothing it just depends on where your bottleneck is if your bottleneck sure. is on the actual encoding to h 64 then yeah it's gonna be amazing if your that's bottleneck cool. is in like uh some effects that you have applied then no, it's not going to do as much. It, it just all yeah. depends. But yeah, it's it's really cool. Like I've been using it. We've been putting out little short videos as like a summary in our articles. Yeah. And oh my goodness, I went from like, oh yeah, it takes like two or three minutes to like, hey, now it takes like 30 seconds to export. And it's amazing because yeah. I'm not a professional video editor. So I export once and then I watch it and I'm like, oops, I missed something. And then so yeah. I have to do it again. <laughs> and then it's not unusual for me to have to export two or three times. And right. like that just makes it so much better for me. Yeah, saves a lot of time. Uh, we do have one question uh, from uh, from Twitch Renegade Devi, uh, or no Renegade Vi. He says, "Can you tell Adobe to stop using CEF Chromium for dialogue windows? <laughs> it's so <laughs> slow to create new documents because the dialogue is web." You know, oh man, <laughs> there's so much stuff with their like whole how how they're using like you're saying CEF and Chromium. I have a love hate with it 
because on the one hand, it's really great when you're actually in it and working. So like we do a lot of API or uh, development of plugins for our, our benchmarks. They're all uh, API driven through Premiere or After Effects and whatever. And it's really nice just that it's JavaScript based because then yeah. like you can find everything. Um, but yeah, I get you on like how it's kind of slow. Uh, I also don't like it oftentimes because it's hard for us to automate things. So like our oh. production department, we go and, and our lives department, we do like automated benchmark runs where it's totally, we don't touch the system at all. Right. But oftentimes we have to like see, like if a dialogue box comes up, we have to like read it and know what to do. And you can't do that with Chromium, like it's a security thing. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you cannot read those kind of things. It's, I mean, again, it's, it's good for security, bad for automation, which I mean, really all automation is, is hijacking your system. So it, it's, it's good, <laughs> but, but it's, right. it's, it's a little annoying for us. So, yeah, good luck getting Adobe to change from Chromium, though. I doubt. I mean, even is it Edge? Microsoft Edge just switched to Chromium. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and it actually, broke think... a lot of stuff I was using it for. <laughs> oh, dang. That's too but, bad. Huh. And it happens. That's whenever new things come out. It always breaks something, makes other things better. And right. you just got to work with it. So I'm wondering what what is what's what's new with you, Matt? What do you like? I know I know we just kind of were talking about the H.264 stuff, but like, yeah. what else? What else is going on? What else is is what's uh, like you know, hot on the spot? Yeah, what's hot on the spot? What are you oh, excited man. about today? Today, oh man! Oh well, <laughs> again, that, that what we just talked about was a big deal. Um, we did just do a big old CPU launch recently. Oh, so I mean, true. we can that's fill true. in some stuff until yeah. we get any like other questions. Um, but yeah, the Intel 10th gen stuff, it's like a bit underwhelming, I think. Because uh, Intel has been on the same like manufacturing process Pretty... for like four generations or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so it, it, it is faster, but uh, it's, it's not like anything crazy. Like, uh, let me see here. I should be able to share uh, my screen of this works. I've never done this before. There, so you should be able to see my, my screen now. There you um, go. But so like this is our Premiere Pro, just our, our benchmark results. And so this is just looking at the new 10th gen and then versus AMD Ryzen. And it's like, I mean, it's good. I mean, the fact that like up here, uh, the 10900K, 10 core, it's about the same price as the 3900X from AMD with 12 cores. And yet the scores are almost identical for us. Like that's great. But then yeah. as you go down, like the 10700K, I think that's same, similar in price to the 3800X or the 37. And like, it's it's faster. So like, that's great. So yeah, that's there are like, it, yeah, it, there are some, still some advantages to going with uh, Intel over AMD in terms of pure performance, like After Effects too. So this is basically the same thing. And in After Effects, oh, wow. man, it's not a big difference though. Like After Effects is very single threaded. Yeah, so, it looks like, like there's hardly different. Well, kind of the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's like you use whatever. And in our case, that often means that we go with Intel because Thunderbolt tends to be right. uh, more reliable on um, on Intel platforms. A AMD is improving, but I mean, Intel owns Thunderbolt. So oh. yeah, it kind of makes sense that it works a little bit better on Intel platforms. Huh. So. Um, but yeah, so like that 10th gen launch, I, I don't think we've even added it to our website yet. We're, we're still dealing with um, supply concerns. There's always supply concerns on new products. Yeah. Um, and what motherboards we're gonna carry, what backup motherboards when those don't have good supply. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I think what we're gonna probably end up doing is like After Effects, uh, Photoshop will definitely have the 10th gen offerings. Um, Premiere Pro? I'm not sure. The, the, the funny thing with Premiere Pro, so we were just talking about the H.264 <laughs> uh, encoding, the hardware right. encoding with the GPU. And that's awesome. But the part that's still lacking is the decoding. So the actual processing of H.264. Like if you're in the timeline and you hit play, because uh -huh. um, H.264 sucks for editing with. Okay. And yet everyone does because that's what cameras shoot in. Sure. Um, and it's small and compact. Um, and the uh, decoding in Premiere Pro and After Effects still uses Intel QuickSync. So that's only on Intel CPUs that have graphics basically integrated. Okay. And so Intel still has a lead 
on decoding or like playing of a 64 or a 65 media, which is I think partly why on, on that chart I showed with Premiere Pro that Intel has a small lead. It's just because of that. Okay. So when or if, I'm, I'm sure it's gonna be a when, not an if, yeah. Adobe adds uh, hardware accelerated decoding from the GPU, then I don't know if Intel's gonna have a lead anymore. Because wow. now the fact that Intel has quick sync, like who cares? Because right. using the GPU is gonna be way faster than quick sync always. So at that point, Intel doesn't have that small uh, advantage. What, what would, so, okay, if we can, if we can leverage the GPU to encode the video, why can we not do the same you thing? You can, to totally can. You, you can, so, uh, result, so result does soft, Okay, yeah. yeah, so like, it's just a, it's more of a, a, a choice that, yeah. soft, a software development choice. Yeah, and it's, I, I, I'm not sure why Adobe took so long, because hardware, like GPU encoding and decoding is not new. Like there were lots of people in the Adobe ecosystem that what they did is they would export to ProRes or DNX before ProRes was supported. And then they would use like Handbrake or FFmpeg or whatever it is to re-encode that to H264 because that was faster than encoding directly to H264. Um, that shouldn't be a problem anymore. But yeah, I, I don't know when they'll they'll do that. My guess, this is total guess based on nothing I know from Adobe, don't is that me. they will they will keep um, they'll keep working on the hardware encoding for maybe as much as six months to a year, and then they'll get into the hardware decoding after that. I, I think they want to kind of take baby steps because they've been using just QuickSync for so long that it's a major shift, and they've already had. I mean. Any new feature that's as significant as this is going to have bugs, but they've already pushed an update that had some bug fixes for that. And we've I've heard of people who've had some bugs where it, like it not showing up. Like this, it's some of it's <laughs> dumb stuff. Uh, if you have your export settings set to custom, and then like H.264 hardware yeah. encoding doesn't show up. But if it's set to H.264 first, then you modify it, then it showed up. So it's little things oh, like that. Okay. I mean, in a in an application that's as complex as Premiere Pro, like. Yeah, there's gonna be those little things. Yeah, but yeah. we'll we'll see how those go through. But that that's probably one of the things I'm looking forward to because once they do that, that should be awesome. Like they will finally maybe all these people that work with drone footage that all shoots in like 4K yeah. H.265 that you can't edit, you have to do transcodes or proxies. Right. Hopefully that means like we'll be able to, and then they, they can just skip that stuff. What are, like, are the, it seems such a strange disconnect from the like the recording side and the editing side mm -hmm. it's um if if everybody it just seems i don't know where the like if it, like the miscommunication or or um i guess whatever the it's just it's how we goals. got here but it, yeah it's like if if everybody is shooting in whatever x why wouldn't the software or the tools that you need to edit that footage you know, follow along with that. It's like it's like if we we're to to go back into the like physical film. It's like, well, if I'm going to use, you know, this plastic film, why is my scissors so dull? You yeah, know, it's it. It's it's oh man, this is really I, a while a year or two ago. I put a whole article out on like why is H sixty four hard to process, and there's yeah. a bunch of articles out there. I think Frame.io has a really good one. Um, there's a couple of others, and I think it's just the goals are different when you're on like your cell phone. Um, or you're, you're like recording game footage even uh, through OBS, uh, it's going to do it in H.264 or H.265 because the file sizes can be really small. Like right. if you were to record in ProRes, like it's going to fill your hard drive immediately, whether it's your <laughs> computer or your camera. Like you need large storage for that. Um, and people that are like professional like like uh, i won't say professional like like film filmmakers like shooting like hollywood films or whatever they do that because storage for them is cheap versus like the processing and all that um but yeah like on your cell phone or like gopros or whatever or, or drones especially where weight's a concern right yeah like, you need small you need it might be nice and compact and that's actually not too hard to record to because Oh man, we're getting a little, little, little nerdy here. But how H.264 and H.265 work, it's basically you have your first frame 
uh, and it records everything. And that's that's called a, a I think it's keyframe or iframe, I think. Okay. And then your second frame is just what's changed since that frame. So you only are recording a part of the screen. If the only oh. thing, like in my case, um, my background okay. wouldn't ever be changing. It's just 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 me that's changing. And even like down here might not change at all. Um, so and it, it does that for each frame. So that's why like it's not that hard to record, and it's actually right. not that hard to play back. Like your phone can play back 4K H.264 or H.265 yeah. because it's just having to like okay start with the first frame and then it just processes what's the differences and shows those differences. The hard thing with editing is you can't just rely on what the differences are. Each frame has to be fully decoded into like I mean think of it kind of like an image. Yeah. so that you can apply any effects because you can't oh. just like do i'm going to do color correction on only what's changed because that's not going to really work so okay. if you have like i'm making up some numbers here like 50 frames worth of where you have a starting frame and then just the changes when you hit that 50th frame and you wanted to like show that in premiere pro it actually has to go all the way back to frame one and do all of it to catch up to that that frame you're on so oh, like wow. that's why it's really hard to process for editing, but it's not too bad for playback in like phone or huh. you know, YouTube or, or whatever. So it's 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 a tough one. And the hardware accelerated in decoding and encoding, it's basically just taking the um, it, it's just very specialized hardware or specialized code to make it so that like, like I don't know how it works on the internals, but it just makes it easier to do all of that kind of that, that kind of processing. Okay, I see. All right, so we do have a, we do have a question from uh, from YouTube, Redis Graham. Um, he says, "My question right now would be, what is the best CPU to go with?" And I mean, best, not just okay for just editing in the Adobe Suite, not exporting. Uh, he says, "I've been building my editor's computers with X299 9900X up until recently, uh, but now we have a Threadripper export server, uh, so they just need to do the editing on their computers." Mm -hmm. uh, is that something we still need uh, HEDT for? Let me see here. Um, so a lot of that, here, I'll go ahead and show my screen again. Data. I love data. Um, so, oh, that's not the one I want. I went down here. So but generally for editing, you're, you're caring about live playback. Um, you, you even mentioned not, you don't care about exporting. So this is our giant chart <laughs> uh, <laughs> that we did recently. So if, if you go to um, our, in fact, let me show this. So if you go to our website and you go to our publications and articles, uh, you can filter along the left here for, in this case, we want Premiere Pro, uh, processors, and then generally the top article is gonna be the most recent. Um, so that's what I'm looking at here. And um, so in terms of live playback, uh, you can go, I mean, it, you can kind of see here, it's a range, uh, 9900K that you, or no, you were using 9900X. Uh, right which probably is gonna be around the 10900X, honestly, it's not that much different. Um, so that's somewhere around this score that we get of around 64. And so you can go up to, you know, Threadripper is at the top. Um, the new 10th gen stuff is down here. It just depends on how much, um, but just as a example, I always gotta use calculators here. So to go from the top <laughs> down to the bottom, that's uh, 80.4 divided by, let's see, you're, you're probably somewhere around Oh, I'm gonna call it 64. So you could get up to 25% better playback performance kind of stuff by going up all the way up to like a, a Threadripper. Um, okay. The thing with Threadripper is you don't wanna to go to the very tip top. Like you can see here, the 64 core, the most expensive one is actually slower than the other two. Uh, I think for most people, you just use the 3960X, the 24 core. Cause once you have too many cores, a lot of applications actually get worse. Uh, you run into problems with what's called memory thrashing. Um, oh. it's, it's just trying to, you have so many different cores trying to exchange data that you run into problems with memory speed and bus speed. So unless the application is actually really, really good at using those cores, it's often worse to have to have them once you get up to these extreme cases. Okay. Um, so in general, I, I think the CPUs that I would recommend depending on your budget uh, is either gonna be the 10900K down here, Intel, um, then I would probably jump up to the Ryzen 3950X or the 10980XE Intel if you want to use um, Intel for like Thunderbolt. It, it's like 200 bucks more expensive than the 3950X, but you get 
Thunderbolt support. Yeah. Uh, well, reliable Thunderbolt support, I should say. <laughs> yeah. Assuming you get a motherboard that has good Thunderbolt support too. Right. Thunderbolt's a kind of. It's, it's a not janky. the easiest thing. It, yeah, yeah, on PC, it, you, you've got to make sure you've got a motherboard that supports it well and a platform that supports it well and devices that work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, that's kind of like the mid-range. And then at the top end, if you're looking for the best performance, I'd probably do like the 3960X uh, Threadripper. Uh, and definitely go with the Threadripper 3s, the third gen. The Threadripper second gens uh, were not great for things like late playback. They were okay <laughs> for things like exporting. But their single core performance was not great. A- AMD just went all in on cores on that yeah. generation. The third generation, they like it's just great for everything. So hopefully that answers your question there. Yeah, I think I think that did because uh, he, he oh, did go uh, on to say, "Ten G uh, and Thunderbolt three are both required." Yeah, I, I would go with um, probably the ten, probably either the new ten nine hundred K. Or I jump up to the 10980XE, uh, the X299 one, uh, because, well, you already have X299, so you should be able to go, wait, is, yeah, you should be able to just go straight up to just upgrading the CPU. But, um, yeah, the, the, the hard thing is that the, the other HEDT offerings from Intel, like uh, 10900X, 10920X, 10940X, most of those are like on par with the 10900K. Oh man, not confusing <laughs> names at all. Gotta so there's usually very, yeah. So there's usually very little reason to do a, one of those CPUs. But in your case, since you're doing like upgrade rather than like a whole new platform, it might make sense. Uh, let's see. Do you guys think Thunderbolt support is going to become better now when it's part of the USB 4 standard? Oh, I don't know. Thunderbolt. So my thoughts on Thunderbolt is that it, the reason why it's hard is not just because like it's like USB 4 or whatever. The problem with Thunderbolt is it has to support USB and like straight to the PCIe bus and display. And so it's just a very complicated um, like standard. So uh, you have to like we, we had so many problems with Thunderbolt 2. Actually, Thunderbolt 2 was the worst. And it that. came down to like the motherboard BIOS had to have the right version and the firmware for the Thunderbolt thing and the firmware on the device and the drivers had to be right and the Windows update version had to be right. And so yeah. you had all of these things that had to match or be right. And it was a pain to get all of those right. Um, Thunderbolt mm-hmm. 3 so far has been way better. Um, I re- We rely on Gigabyte a lot for our motherboards because their Thunderbolt has been, well, partially because their Thunderbolt support has been better than the others. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's still not as good as like, like Apple. Well, one, they've been using Thunderbolt for a long time. It was exclusive to Apple for a long time. Mm-hmm. And two, the other advantage that Apple has is they control everything. They control the hardware, they control the BIOS, they control the firmware, they control the OS. So all of it is one control. On a PC, you might have Gigabyte, who's using a Thunderbolt controller from Intel, uh, and then you've got Microsoft doing Windows, and you, you just got all these different things that are mixing together. So they've really got to get, you know, they have to gel before it'll work really well. So I, I don't know if Thunderbolt's going to become better because of USB 4. I think it's just getting better and better and better as it's being used by more and more people and like, everyone is starting to realize like, okay, yes, this is an actual value add we have to spend money on to develop. It's not a gimmick. It's real. Yeah. Like, it's there, there, there definitely seems to be more of a like consumer demand as there's, I mean, there's been quite the, I don't want to say exodus, but there has been a very big shift uh, kind of back from Apple um, mm-hmm in that space and people still have all these extra devices these either displays or external drives or what have you um and they need that stuff to work as they as their like workstation hardware has to improve and that usually means moving over to pc Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah i think i think it's kind of the the demand is there and so now they're they're having to catch up yeah and, and sometimes i think people don't realize that they don't need thunderbolt 
like maybe they have a, a Thunderbolt 3 drive, but it's just like an SSD. And like, no, you can just plug that into a USB 3 or 3.1 <laughs> Gen 2 X 2 by 2. What, what That's the, the stupid C, naming the of C, USB right? now? USB C. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you, 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 like, USB is more than fast enough for that. Like, yeah. you don't actually need direct Thunderbolt. And like you're not going to notice the difference, and USB can, is way more reliable than Thunderbolt. And I can attest to that. I was actually, um, I, I have a, I have a four terabyte external drive that I plug into this laptop USB C. I didn't realize I had been doing quite a lot of my video editing on that. It was, it's a platter drive, 7200 oh. RPM platter drive over USB C, and I was getting by. I mean, I'm not doing anything crazy, you know, um, but. I hadn't noticed any weird issues until I started using, um, we, you and I tried to, we were fiddling around with some of the proxy stuff and mm -hmm. I found out that that, I think was why it was, it was, I was having troubles. It was, it took, well, it took a long time and some funny business there, but, uh, yeah, I had, I was editing straight off of a mechanical drive over USB-C and it seemed to be just yeah. fine. Oftentimes, one of the biggest dangers of using an external drive for editing is that like if you're in Premiere Pro or After Effects or whatever, and the drive drops for for a you know split second, which is not uncommon when it's an external, like maybe you bump it or um, whatever, it just decides it's going to drop for a second. If you're in Premiere Pro, it'll be just like, hey, all your media is offline. And you're like, ah, you got to relink it all. Oops. And like that's just a pain. Um, that's why oftentimes, like when people are having issues and they're editing off externals, we just tell them like, no, just, I know it's a pain, but you've got to copy it internally. And, you know, because if it works, it'll work fine. If you start having problems, it's probably like the port on your device, on your drive is starting to like get a little you know, wonky or something. And yeah. so like, yeah, it can't do that. You either got to replace the drive or, I mean, it's always possible as the port on your computer, <laughs> like you never know. Uh, so it's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's 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 tough. And, and again, if it works, it works. But I, I think we've been noticing a lot of people recently are starting to move from external drives to network attached storage. Um, yeah. It's a lot higher cost to get into it initially to go to network attached storage. Mm -hmm. But oh, man, it's so much more reliable, um, yeah. especially a lot of our customers, because we have a lot of people who have mixed Mac and PC workflows and Man, trying to use external drives with that is a huge pain. You've got to use like third-party utilities so that PCs can read the Mac formatted drives, or the Mac form the Mac can read the or can write to the PC formatted drives. And those third-party applications, like some of them are great. Like uh, Paragon is one of the ones we recommend a lot. And like it's great if you're just doing like a file copy, mm -hmm. but if you're actually trying to work off of it, like I was saying, like the drives dropping. That happens right. even more often when you're going through an extra layer like that. Oh, geez. So just moving to network attached storage, like it's OS independent. You just stick it in the corner somewhere. It's just on your network. Everyone has access. Yeah. But again, it is a higher investment because you probably want like 10G you know, networking right. and all that kind of jazz. You don't want to work off of Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine too that it would be helpful for um, like production teams. You know, when you yeah. have oh, absolutely. Um, because you, you, I, I know in in previous episodes of the podcast, like we've talked with some people who are involved with um, like cloud-based editing platforms and things like that, where you have you know five, six, ten people all working on the same project all at the same time, and I basic that is still basically a just kind of a little bit more complicated network attached storage solution yeah cloud stuff it seems is, man, it, cloud, it feels cloud is its own thing <laughs> the, i think the biggest problem with the cloud editing is one the, cloud. the performance isn't that great uh because they're right. trying to run all the stuff off of server hardware that is not good for like Premiere pro <laughs> or after effects uh, and two you have to have all your data there like you're not going to stream your data from your local computer to this cloud thing like no you have to actually copy all your very data up into the cloud and that can take a long time depending on you know yeah your internet speeds and, and all that jazz so uh okay so we actually have a, a few questions coming in from youtube danny atkinson asks when uh when are you going to i'm gonna paraphrase a little bit uh when are you going to do the resolve mac pro 2019 versus pc article uh, okay um i don't know um the what what's holding that up is actually i need to revamp our resolve testing our resolve benchmark um it's been on my to-do list forever but we've gotten really absorbed into our um, adobe benchmark suite 
and you know getting like our commercial version paid version and all that kind of stuff and our, our benchmark browser so people can roll, upload the results um working on the resolve one is next i, I but i don't know when it's going to be because i i've got to completely revamp it there's so many changes that have happened to resolve that i really need to include in our testing um yeah so I, if i had to give a guess a couple of months um the hard, the other hard part with that is, so the Mac Pro that we used for our Adobe testing was actually loaned to us by Linus, Linus Tech Tips, mm -hmm. and we sent that back a while ago. Um, right. I did grab some results from it uh, before we sent it back, but you know, at this point, those results are old and on old versions and everything, so I don't know if those would be useful. So what we might have to do is, uh, once I get that benchmark revamped, I might try to talk Linus into running some benchmarks for us on their Mac Pro or oh, uh, just cool. trying to crowdsource it. Because the, the nice thing with, uh, I'll share my screen again. This, this is cool to be able to do. Uh, the nice thing with our uh, benchmarks now is we have this public result browser and there Look are at some, yo, there, I think we're up to something like three and a half thousand results. That's amazing. Um, so hopefully what we can do is we can get just people to run it. So. Uh, um, like we've already, like there's some results here for Premiere Pro from with a, oh, that's an old Mac Pro. Oh, that's going to be, yeah, that's terrible score. Um, <laughs> but like, hopefully we can get some people with, you know, actual, actual Mac Pros, like, like down here. Although that's a Radiant 7. That's weird. I don't know. People, some people do weird <laughs> stuff or they do Hackintoshes. Uh, but uh, hopefully we can get a little bit of crowdsourcing because, man, those Mac Pros are so expensive yeah. that we can't really justify buying a couple. Uh, we did with like we have an iMac Pro, we've got an older Mac Pro, but man, we can't drop a hundred grand on a couple of different configurations. So hopefully, we can get some people to run those benchmarks for us, and then we can get an article up. If I had to give a guess and timeline, hopefully by the end of the year. It'll be the, it'll be <laughs> I, I don't know Pro if I can give anymore. I, yeah, <laughs> it, it, getting these benchmarks updated is so much work. Um, mm -hmm. So hopefully, hopefully it can be soon. Resolve is. Resolve is definitely still on our radar. It's a big deal for us, but yeah, we got to get that updated first. Uh, next question is actually from Mr. Richard Falk. I remember you, Richard. Hey, I remember <laughs> you. Uh, do you think Intel will be able to get 10 nanometer or 7 nanometer production in mass, or will we all be moving to Team Red in the next few years? I'm not sure. I don't know what's NDA and what's not. So I'm like, <laughs> I, I think I have to just avoid that that question entirely. I, I um, totally understand. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what Intel has put out publicly as far as like their next couple of products. If I have to guess, just from Intel, I doubt it's been very much. So I should probably just avoid that. Um, no comment. I, yeah. <laughs> um, I I do think though. Uh, that the whole Team Red thing, AMD has been doing an amazing job. They really so have. I, I will say that I think Intel is going to ha has their work cut out for them to to uh, met, to meet you know AMD standards. Um, for us, from what we've seen, Intel platforms are a little bit more reliable than AMD platforms at the moment, but it's getting better and better and better. Um, and I think some of that is just a legacy of. Well, there's a couple of different things. When you, One, when you say reliable, what do you mean? Uh, like driver issues, uh, blue screens, that kind of stuff. Um, for us, I think the last stat we had was that Intel platforms have about half the support tickets, or 50, I, I forget, it, it's significantly lower support tickets than our AMD Ryzen platforms. So, um, and I think some of that's like one, in, Intel, well, and, and NVIDIA too, because I'm in part of its GPU side. Um, they're much bigger companies. They have a lot more money. They can just dump into things like driver support and things like that. Uh, but AMD is getting bigger. They're poaching a lot of people from like Intel and Nvidia. So I, I think that's improving oh, good for drastically. Them. Yeah. So I I think the biggest thing is that uh, I think over the next two call it two or three years, I bet that we're not going to actually see a winner between Intel and AMD. I think we're going to see that they're very on par. Uh, just oh, because be Intel great. has so much hey. money to put behind R&D, but AMD is in a position of strength right now. So I think it's just going to be, hey, you want to go with Intel? Go for it. If you want to go to AMD? Go for it. It just depends, you know, somewhat like on your workload. If if you're doing like a, you know, ray tracing rendering, you know, 
that uses a ton of cores, then you probably go with AMD. I bet Intel is still going to have a slight lead in single core performance. So like After Effects, maybe Intel has a slight lead. But I bet we're going to be talking like, yeah, 5%. Can you notice the difference between, you know, playing back a timeline at 60 FPS or 59 and a half? <gasps> no. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, you can go whichever way. So that's what I hope. Because, and yeah, competition is awesome for everyone because this is going to drive prices down. I mean, Intel cut the cost of their X series processors in half. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so good. I'm, it's It's been cool to see that, that kind of stuff happening. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I don't think you can answer these questions, but I'll, I'll ask anyway. Uh, I think this is internally NDA. When when are we getting Puget cases? Can't buy from Case Labs anymore. Oh, man, I don't know. I, I know we're, we're working <laughs> on our own cases. I have no idea what the timeline is. It, it seems like I'm it's been sure soon myself, for a sure. while. Yeah. Um, but, man, case development, this is not it's the first hard. time we've tried to do our own cases. Yeah. Um, I think we were working with... Who was it? I think the last time it was for a rack mount and it was with like iStar or something like that. Hmm. And it was it was a nightmare. Um, I, I think this time is better because we're I think we're mostly staying in the US or we're working with like a company that does better of the like translating to Taiwan or China or whatever. Sure. But the problem we had last time was like we would get a, a revision and then we would like say, OK, we need to change these two things. And the next revision would come in and have those two things change. But hey, now these other four things just got changed for no reason. Oh. <laughs> like, wait, what, why did you change that? Oh. It's because like every single time, it's like they never saved the old plan, so they just started from scratch every time. Oh, it was just crazy. like it was it was such a disaster. You almost want to do it, in, it ourselves at, at, a, at yeah. a point, you know. So I, yeah, huh. this 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 round of trying to get our own cases is going way better. Like I, I've seen the prototypes; they're great. Um, they're not going to be flawless from the start, but Right. Uh, it's it's something we have to do because it seems like more and more like Fractal is a great company. Like we've done work with Fractal for a long time, but they are making cases for like DIYers and enthusiasts who want toolless. Like they want everything toolless. Like I don't want to use a screwdriver, but uh, that doesn't work for us because like hey, we mount a hard drive toolless. Hey, now it's just a wrecking ball that's inside right? the computer when it gets shipped by you know UPS floating, rolling it off the back of their truck. Those floating cages, I cringed when they first were showing yeah. those in the R6. I was like, that's, you're gonna hold onto a, a, a heavy, thick platter drive with on the short on one short side and one long side and it's really just like one thumb screw that's and it'd be fine if you're just like if it's just in if your just... office and your computer and it never moves but yeah. shipping uh -uh. now i don't know if we're going to be making our cases available to like just buy probably not i wouldn't think um, so it, no we, we've done like part sales in the past and it was it was never uh what's the right way to say it? i don't want to say worth our time well, but kind was, of because anytime I, you would you have to do things like part sales like you're having to spend a time investment mm -hmm. and we've just found that we would rather spend that time investment in what we actually really want to do yeah like full full built workstations it, it, it so. just becomes a, a bad experience for everybody involved you know yeah if, so it, so yeah yeah um, well and also too like our cases they might not always come with all the screws. We might get them like without screws, and then we just like have bins of screws that our builders, you know, grab and you know and use, so that they don't have to like open up little Ziploc bags of screws with every case. They just have here's a bunch of M3 screws, here's a bunch of 632 screws, and yeah. they just grab from their own bins. So we might not even have them in a form that would work for selling as parts. Yeah. So I know the answer to this one, generally. But I, I'm, I know you, you'll have a little bit of extra input on this. Can you put two Titan RTX in a chassis without overheating? I think you can do two. Um, as long as they've got a space in between them and you've got like, I, I would recommend like a side fan blowing fresh air in and then you've got to have good exhaust. The problem with the Titan RTX is, is they are um, like open air cooling only. Yeah, so that, uh, in fact, that two that dual fan yeah. reference design and that the the problem with that is that it all vents out the long edge of the card and so you, there it isn't actually escaping very well and so yeah it uh, I remember we did See, a it's it's an yeah, older article an now article. but our initial look at the RTX cards um, basically say that yeah you can't I'm trying to see if I can find that article you'll want the one space um, but even then. Um, it's it's a little sketchy 
I can't I think, find it. I oh, think here, William here wrote that one. Yeah, here we go. Here, let me, let me share this. Sure. Yeah, because I can share screens. Uh, so this is an older article. So it's basically, this is kind of the summary. Oh, wow, that's a really white article. This is an really old article system. So the blower style <laughs> ones, they're really nice because they draw fresh air right into the, the, the fan and then they exhaust it out the back. So all your hot air is out of the system. The problem with these style, which the RTX Titan only comes in this, there's no third party version that like has a blower style. So it pulls air into the fans and then it exhausts it into the system. So it's like, there's nowhere for that hot air to go. So unless you have really good exhaust, it just builds up. And it's even worse if you stack the cards on top of each other, because then you're just like, the hot air from the bottom card is just kind of wafting up to the, the next card, which then just tries to use that to cool. Uh, so I think we allow two Titan RTXs and systems as long as they have really good cooling, like more cooling than you would normally need uh, for dual GPUs, and they can have at least one space in between them. So no micro ATX yeah. cases. <laughs> yep. That'd be a disaster. Uh, so I'll hand, I'll I'll answer this question. Uh, we're asked by uh, Shadow Dragon seventy fifteen uh, on Twitch. Don't you still sell the Puget GPU brackets? And uh, we do not. Um, when Fractal changed over to the R six, it um, we had to redesign our graphics uh, card bracing, uh, which we no longer uh, do the acrylic bracing for. Um, not that that L bracket, that L shaped little arm with a thumb on it. Uh, since we're not making those internally anymore, we aren't selling them. And it, and it kind of comes back to that that kind of um, explanation of not selling the PC case. It's it's not something that we are really super jazzed to do, and so um, it, it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's all it's it's all uh, you're investing time and effort into something, and what can we get out of that versus if we invest that same amount of time and effort into I don't know, do, doing testing or doing something that's going to make life better for our, our, like our, I don't want to say bigger customers, but like, like our normal customers, our, yeah. our target customers, I should say, you yeah. know, the people that we really want to help. If we can spend time and effort on that, great. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I like the Aquarium that we sold years ago when it got like uh, trademarked or patented by someone else and then they wanted us to pay them. Like when every time we sold, we just said, no, we're just not going to do it anymore. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like we, we've been like kind of thinking about how this is a pain to do constantly anyway. So we're just going to stop because yeah. we never really made much money off of those, those aquarium things. And same with the GPU brackets. Like mostly we did that because there was a, a need even in like the DIY industry or the people building up computers were like, people were having GPUs sagging all over the place. And now there's other products out there that do the exact same thing yeah. at cheaper because they're mass manufacturing them versus us using our laser cutter in the back to do these one by one. <laughs> yeah. uh, so there's there's other products already out there and it, it even cases are already starting to integrate that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a problem that's kind of been solved. So we're just kind of backing away. Now we're focusing on things like public benchmarks for like the Adobe suite and, and other things because that's an area where there is a need. Like people do need to know like how much faster is a new computer going to be. Yeah. And by having benchmarks, they can run it on their own and be like, okay, I know exactly how much faster it's going to be versus they think that it's going to be faster. They buy a new computer and they're like, it's only 10% faster. Like that's not uncommon <laughs> for us to run into. So this is a great way just to get that problem solved as well. So somebody had made a comment while we were talking about the uh, Titan RTX. Uh, they said that the Quadro RTX 6000 is better. Yeah, it's also way more expensive. <laughs> uh, and it's it's actually not as fast. The, the RTX 6000 is equivalent to, I want to say it's probably like a RTX 2080 Super. It's probably somewhere around there. Like it has more VRAM, but in terms of just like performance, the main reason you go with Quadro is... Um, you go for it's it's more reliable like the driver support is better uh and that's that is not a small consideration i think like if if you are i don't know i, I don't care a video editor working for nbc and you're doing like news stuff and you are like that stuff is very time like it needs to be like done then and like if your computer has a problem your pro crashes your system blue screens anything <laughs> happens that's a disaster and at yeah. that point like you don't care how much money it is like nvidia could 
increase the cost of their quadros by twice as much. I mean, they're not going to, because at that point, this might be a little extreme, but like they could increase the cost and like, it doesn't matter because the whole point is reliable and spending a couple extra thousand dollars, who cares? Like yeah. that, that's nothing. Um, the, the Titans are just a weird part, like uh, where like it's a really high-end consumer, but it's not quite in their workstation line. Yeah, it's just, it's it's an odd part, but yeah, the the things with Quadro is um, the, uh, the reliability, I think is number one. I don't think it has more VRAM than the Titan RTX and it has the blower style cards. So, or the blower style fan. So you can actually do multiple cards in, in one go. Um, I saw that you said the same CUDA counts, but I think it's lower, that each core speed is lower, right? So, or like the boost clocks are lower. I don't know. All I know is that when we've actually done <laughs> testing, it, it ends up in applications like Premiere Pro or After Effects or Photoshop, um, it ends up being somewhere around the 2080 Super to 2080 Ti. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. But again, totally different use cases. Titan RTS and the GeForce cards, it's all about performance first. Quadro, it's about reliability first. Right, right. Um, so Danny Atkinson from YouTube is asking, can you use Cubix expansion with Threadrippers? Is that those GPU things? That uh, is a, that is a new term Google for list. me. So hold hold. Yeah, screen. yeah, PCIe expansion. You should be able to. Uh, you'd have to check with the board. So the, these Cubix expansions, you know, sure, just because I can hey, do this, this, I'll, this I'll go ahead and do this. Um, so it, it, you put in a, oh. a, a, it's basically you put in a PCIe card, but all that PCIe card is a pass through. And then it goes to these expansion boxes. So you can take like the 16 lanes that are on that slot. And then you can divide it up between, you know, X4, 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 or X8 and X8 or X1s or, or whatever, because there's a lot of devices. Oh. Like in this case, it looks like they've got an SDI out and I don't know, some like display stuff, maybe a Quadro or something in there. Um, and like, that's great because if you have a full, a lot of, uh, cards already in your kit system, but you want to have like a black magic deck link card or a couple of other things, you can basically sp split up that slot. Uh, the problem is the motherboard has to support, uh, is it lane duplexing? I think something like that, where like it can actually be split up because some other boards you try to do it, it just won't work. So I think the biggest thing is that the motherboard has to support it. Um, that's not something we've ever dealt with, so I can't tell you whether, like, from a chipset level, if it's if it's supported or if it'd be like a motherboard level. Um, I'm not sure, but I do know that that is the thing that you have to check is if it supports. I think it's duplexing. I think duplexing is the term. Huh. that's interesting. So uh, it's really cool. Uh, yeah, that, that's huh. Um, it's kind of like um, when it's GPU... like a bifurcation kind of thing. Yeah. Or yeah. or yeah, bifurcation. Maybe that's the word. Maybe it's not duplexing. I've, Maybe it's I've seen that in uh, in like ITX in in certain applications of ITX chassis where they'll come with a um, it's like a ribbon yeah, that plugs into the one 16x slot, but it'll give you two 8x slots yeah. essentially. Uh, so yeah, Jay Chen in, in YouTube is saying PCIe bifurcation. So yeah, yeah that, that's what it is. Duplexing is a network thing, I think. I don't know. Uh, sure. But yeah, it was also really interesting when um, GPU mining, like Bitcoin mining was really big. Mm -hmm. Like people would have a single board and then there were um, cards basically just like that where you plug in one thing and you'd split it out using actually USB cables because yeah. USB apparently had enough pins to handle X1, PCIe right. X1. So that would split out to a whole bunch of X1 slots that like you would just put video cards into each one because when you're doing mining, <laughs> I guess you don't need a lot of transfer over the PCIe bus, I guess. Um, and so it, it was fine to do or whatever. It must have been worth it. But you ran into some, there were some really weird boards. There were boards made for mining where it didn't have PCIe slots at all. It just had what looked like USB like 20 A. USB, yeah, the wide, yeah. your class. And it wasn't USB, it was PCIe, but it was just made to go to like, it's basically a riser because you could do 32 cards on like, you know, on some of these platforms and then, but you can't fit 32 cards on a motherboard. <laughs> right. So it just lets you like spider it out to like, it, it was insane. Like, yeah, some of it was, that it was weird. Pretty, pretty cool. I mean, I love the ingenuity of, of people though. Like, you know, they, they saw a need and they, they stepped up and met it really fast. Like it was within yeah. months. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. 
Um, uh oh, we have the the bosses here. No, 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 John's here. John's <laughs> on YouTube. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, let's see. Asus seems to be trying to fix the issue without brackets. I believe that's the GPU sagging. Um, yeah, there's I've been seen... so much ones. There's so many different people. Um, like EVGA, I think has had some cards that are supposed to like support. The problem is that like on any of these brackets, um, you know, you've got a, a GPU and you're supporting it. Well, okay, I'll go this way. You're supporting it here where you're screwing it in, and then you're supporting it on the slot. That's it. So between right. two points, anything that's you know outside of well, these two points is gonna be pulling down. Right. And that's oftentimes where all like all the heat sinks are and stuff. And that's those are heavy. Like heat sinks on GPUs are getting beefy. Yeah. And it's good. Like beefy heat sinks mean the fans don't have to be as powerful or as loud, or it can just handle more so it can do things like turbos and stuff. But it's just so much weight. And there's only so much you can like reinforce between those two points, especially the PCIe slot, because PCIe slots are not strong. Like I know oh, there's boards that have like reinforced <laughs> PCIe slots. That's, that doesn't do it. It helps, but it's not a solution. Uh, so I, I, I'm just glad that a lot of cases, because I think you have to solve this from a case that they're starting to put like brackets or something you can screw on. And this is something that we've been um, giving a lot of feedback to to like Zeus and EVGA and Gigabyte with their video cards of always have mounting points on the back of your card like we hate it when like they have otherwise a great card but then there's yeah. like it's just like a plastic shroud on the back with no like screw mounting points like that's terrible because then we can't make bracing at all you have to like do some weird like you know use like you were mentioning earlier our gpu braces or whatever but the problem with a lot of those is it's fine if your computer like is sitting at your office but when it's being shipped yeah. It's not always this side up. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> That's it's, it. It's a whatever different way. So, so really, the only way is like screws hard mounted where it's not gonna move no matter what orientation it is. I have been seeing a lot more of like the metal, the metal backing that runs along the whole length of the PCB. Yeah, um, I'm sure that helps a little bit. I think most of that is for thermal, like thermal dissipation. Oh, okay. But I'm, I'm sure it helps. But the problem is also like the more stuff you add, the more weight you're adding Heavy. too. Yeah, so, I, I think that's one of just one of those things that until there is some like total revamp of how we do expansion cards, it's just going to be a problem. It's, it's the same thing. We have the same issue with uh, CPU heat sinks. Like CPU oh, heat yeah. sinks are so big and beefy. Like we love big and beefy heat sinks. We we actually prefer those over liquid cooling, even though like liquid cooling technically like you can get the same surface area, you know, and it's actually hard mounted to the case. But for us. We prefer air cooling because liquid cooling has like a pump that can fail and has the pump noise. You can get leaks. It's just more points of failure. Mm -hmm. And so we prefer those big heat sinks. But again, you're shipping stuff. You're dropping the cases constantly. Oh. Those things can just like, yeah. You know, it just so means we have to it, mount support. It just means that we need to go back to the desktop layout where everything's just horizontal what? <laughs> yeah and just flat and we ship everything with cards and cpu it's all just pointing yeah. in that upward. again that doesn't help ups though when they decide <laughs> no this way's up <laughs> right. or i'm gonna roll it off the back <laughs> so there, there's no matter what i think it's it's so it's just gonna be a problem until we hit some you know if quantum computing somehow ends up actually being good for the stuff we do every day and it's not actually a very only good for some things like we think it's gonna be like unless there's that kind of a thing where heat is no longer an issue and we're gonna, we're yeah. gonna not have much oh yeah. man it's already 155 yep uh let's see let's see i think we're caught up from from chat chat questions uh anything uh anything else you'd like to mention uh, as we uh, approach our hour oh um if you're interested in benchmarks and stuff, definitely check out um, our public benchmarks. Um, you can just go to petersystems.com slash benchmarks, I think. We'll link you to all so. of them. Yep. Um, it's not in our nav yet because all of our benchmarks are still in beta. Uh, but if, if I'm like sure a lot of people who tune beta. into these, yeah, uh, a lot of people who tune into these webcasts are probably more um, like hardware enthusiasts or people who are really interested in hardware. So definitely give those a check out. And uh, it's always fun to run benchmarks and upload benchmarks. Yes, results. and, and um, seriously do it. The more data that we get, the better that we can compare and answer a lot more of these sort of questions. Like, hey, I'm still on a 4790K. Like, 
should I make yeah. the jump to 9900k? You know, that kind of a, those sorts of questions, um, it helps to be able to, to dig through all that data and say, oh, well, yeah, this is the score that that guy got with a similar build, and this is what we got in our latest article. Yeah. Well, and yeah, we haven't had that today. Someone was talking about upgrading from a 6850X, I think. And that one, like, we don't have a result for. But the other cool thing we can say is, like, well, here, just run run the benchmark. Yeah. And then they can run it, and we know exactly how much faster their old system is. But I'm really excited about our public benchmarks and, like, the results uploads because at a certain point, like, whenever we publish an article, we have to spend days doing a whole bunch of automated testing. Like, we have to test each one of those things we're doing. Um, and if we can get to the point where we can be like, hey, we're curious how, like, these this new Intel tension compares to Apple's offerings. We could just like go into our results and grab the average from like a bunch of uploads because I mean, user submitted results can always be funky. Um, you don't know if someone's overclocking or underclocking or whatever, but you can grab an average. And, you know, at that point, then we can all of these platforms that we can't invest in buying, you know, whether it's low end hardware that we don't normally deal with or it's Apple stuff or it's you know, whatever, um, we can just pull from a public database and pull an average. Then we can start like, doing so much more of like yeah. hey you have a system from five years ago okay that was this platform how much faster will it be today okay how about four years ago three years ago ten years ago right oh, i'm excited about it it's gonna be really It'll cool, be cool. I, I think late lately for me the the best thing is seeing um there was a there was somebody on twitter who had posted their their score of 56 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a benchmark where most systems get like 700 yeah I yeah there's some great. abnormally insanely low some of the new um like I, had to, I think it was like a laptop 2500 or something was the, yeah some, was some of the one. new uh, <laughs> the really low power mobile stuff some of that stuff is insanely low i, I have no idea how it finished the benchmarks i like, i think I think that's just great. We'll we should run a contest of like who can get the lowest score, <laughs> With, without having Premiere crashed or after yeah, crash. You know, at that, that your point you're well below the like. That's uh, not even the hard even like recommended specs. Spec. Yeah, it's below that. Like it's a it's a it's a testament to Adobe that it's it runs. I love it. Oh man, this kind of stuff would be is just. I, but but that just shows one. By the way good job on your benchmark programming oh, like that it you. can do that um that it's that it's able to even begin on such a wide variety of hardware um but also like a testament to the to the adobe guys as well of being able to run on on such a broad spectrum of, of yeah and i think adobe Super gets cool. a lot of flack for like support uh, or not support like stability but i've got to say that man we don't see nearly as many problems as it sounds like a lot of people do. And I think it comes down to a lot of things like, like uh, it kind of comes down to our philosophy is like no overclocking. We run RAM at like the JDEX specs. We stay within the RAM speeds that the CPU supports. And I think a lot in like the DIY community, people totally disregard that because it's like, oh yeah, of course I'll use 3600 RAM. And like, it, yeah. it'll work okay. And like, it'll pass MIM test, but you know, that'll make, it might make Premiere crash more often. And, you know, we've definitely seen that. And mm -hmm. so I think that's part of it is, yeah, Adobe gets some flack because people are using systems that are overclocked and, you know, all that kind of jazz. It's just, it's just tough. Yeah, they're trying to, like John just said in the chat, like they're trying to do professional work <laughs> on gaming hardware. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's true. Like gaming hardware is oftentimes great. Like the stability of gaming hardware can be awesome, but there's also a lot of auto overclocking and, running things beyond like the Intel or AMD spec, which was a huge problem actually with the Intel tension uh, because like, uh, the power limits were just like, it's become a wild, wild west. Like all the motherboard manufacturers are just like, hey, we're going to set this to 300 watts. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's a little. That's a like, lot. Oh, I don't know. I made up a number. Like, oh, okay. I'm like, that's going to be hot. 300 yeah. watts. I'm like, I'm thinking I the highest think TDP CPU I can think of is like 195. Yeah, TDP's <laughs> TDP's a meaningless number though too, because TDP ah. is the power draw at stock speeds, which oh, nothing ever not, runs stock no, speeds. There's, yeah, there's no turbo speed steps, there's or... turbo. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so it's it's a meaningless. I remember there were some S processors from Intel where like we tested it, and they're supposed to be lower wattage, and we we test like power draw and everything, and it was identical to the normal models because it's a base model. It's a marketing thing yeah. for us for some of those. Some of the other ones actually have meaningful, but some of them also meh. 
<sighs> that's that's what happens when your marketing guys take over everything. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, wait, wait, we're marketing. <laughs> hey, oh. <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, that does put us 40 seconds ago over our hour. Um, if we'll do real quick, maybe just another minute or two. If you guys have any other questions, get them in here. Otherwise, we're gonna say um, thanks for hanging out and taking the time, Matt. Um, yeah, of course. Let's see. Are you ready? Make really sure you guys tune in next next week. That's right. Yep, I think we're gonna call that okay. So thanks, Matt, for taking time out of the day to to join us for the the lab's open office hour, and thanks to the audience as well for joining us, asking questions. That's that's what we're here for to try and help help get that good value, that good info out there to the public at large. We do this Wednesdays and Fridays at one o'clock Pacific. Wednesdays is our workflow Wednesday, where we bring in industry experts to kind of talk about their workflow, the state of their industry, and get a little bit of tips, tricks, and advice from from those people who are down there in the trenches are more of our custom our actual real customer base and uh, and then Fridays is like this labs open office hour where you can pick the brains of our labs team kind of get a, those that crossover from the workflow software and the hardware and get those questions answered for you guys so that's uh, Wednesdays Fridays 1 p.m. Pacific time and uh, yeah is there anything else you'd like to say Matt no I think you covered it Right, good. Download the benchmark, run it. We need, we we want to see your results. <laughs> By computers, I, you know, and all that. I guess we should say that too. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. We are a workstation company. <laughs> oh right, yeah. Buy buy our stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> <give us> money. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again. We'll see you next time. Bye.